Hey friends, I'm Laura Malone and I'm obsessed with all things coaching, self-coaching, life coaching, specific niche coaching, all of it. For 20 years, I've been a traveling, homeschooling, full-time ministering, multi-passionate mom who finally decided to take the dream of starting my own business off of that top shelf. I realized that what I'd been doing all my life was called coaching. Then I found out it could be both ministry to those around me and a business blessing. Now I'm sharing everything I've learned over the years as coach, entrepreneur, and imperfect human who's still in process. I'm inviting you to my table laid out with a feast of spirit-led strategies, tangible tools, growth God's way, and clarity about your callings in life. So get ready to become the hero in your own story and an amazing guide to others. And now, enjoy the show. Hi friends, welcome back to the Christian Life Coach Collective. Are you planning a summer vacation? Um, uh, my life is not the kind of life that gets to plan a lot of things like that, but I know that some people do a thing called planning and in regards to something called vacations, I don't know if you're one of the lucky ones, but a lot of us don't get grandiose vacations these days. Um, and we all know that every vacation has a little bit of chaos mixed in usually. So because of the nonprofit work that we've been doing for about 15 years in crisis response, most of our vacations have been called deployment. (laughs) So we've gone a lot of places and lived across the country from Hawaii to New York and Vermont all the way down to New Orleans. So we've seen a lot and lived in a lot of places, but in between all of them, what we've seen is often devastated in some form or fashion. So We moved to New Orleans five days before we had to evacuate for Katrina. The Lord told us to move there. And then five days later, we had to question and say, you told us to move here. And now we have to go, Lord. Like, what do you want us to do? That um, is another episode for another day about how our nonprofit started because of the work we did when we went back home to New Orleans after Katrina. We also, things like visiting Chico, California. And coming out of the dinner restaurant to find that it's hailing and four tornadoes ran through the town, a town that never has tornadoes. Um, One day we lived in Fredericksburg, Virginia. We were going to go into D.C. that morning to hear uh, to find out that there had been an earthquake that in in D.C. that morning. What? That's not normal. You know, we went on a family vacation with high hopes and all five kids in the same place. And my in-laws were going to meet us there. On day two of that vacation, my mom in Kansas City had a heart attack. And then throughout the vacation, my father-in-law was extremely unwell, and which led us to take him to the doctor and then follow him back to New York uh, to find out that he'd been bitten by a rare tick, causing his hemoglobin from, to go from like 14 to 8. So he couldn't even fly back to New York because he couldn't be at that altitude. It was one thing after another is like, this is how things go, Um My husband and my son, they took a two-week trek in um, Spain and Portugal, once-in-a-lifetime trip, father-son, only to, like, they are hiking the Camino um, de Santiago and ended up rescuing this woman and her daughter who weren't prepared for the trip and carrying the daughter five hours down the mountain to get help. They were sick for days after this ordeal (laughs) and never got to finish the hike, so... Needless to say, I am not expecting you to invite me to dinner anytime soon, but if you're in a disaster or a crisis of some kind, you're going to wish you bought me a pizza at least because we're 
actually the family you want to have around when that kind of stuff goes down. <laughs> um, so this year we had friends graciously give us a 10 day vacation in their California home while we're out of town. They are out of town. And also our airfare is covered as well. And we're taking our three teenage girls with us. And you might wonder, why are you taking three teenage girls? I thought you wanted a vacation. <laughs> so, well, the answer, I guess, is I don't know how many years and trips there are in the near future with my people. And I want my people to enjoy one of my favorite cities in the country. So we're taking them with us. But I might end up like in a hotel room for, you know, at some point, just to say I was on vacation for 24 hours during the vacation. Now, I want to be honest and say that my focus for a couple of months leading up to this vacation has been on certain experiences, atmospheres, and emotions that I hope to feel. So, you know, you think that vacation is going to help give you rest and restore you, or you're going to have fun, you're going to have great experiences, and you hope that the whole vacation will be full of joy. But as we are drawing nearer to the time, I'm learning that my focus is starting to get chiseled away at my focus on joy and my hope is starting to be deferred. So have you ever experienced something like that before when you have like high hopes for something and you can really see in your mind's eye what, it would, what it's going to be like and how it would pan out, but then something comes along. And even if you could have expected that it was possible that it would happen, it's still such a major bummer. Or something terrible happens and cuts off what you had hoped for. And when we focus on what we put our hope in, and then that hope is cut off somehow or changed, it can really be kind of devastating to our soul, right? So our disappointment is actually connected to what we put our hope in. And whatever you focus on grows. And what you focus on determines what you miss. So you can live with the focus on what's bad and painful and offensive and discouraging, or you can heed Philippians 4.8 and set the eyes of your soul on whatever is true, honorable, worthy of respect, right, confirmed by God's word, pure and wholesome, lovely and brings peace, admirable and of good repute. And if there's anything that's excellent, anything worthy of praise, you can continually think on that and center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. So you actually have to decide if you want to focus on your disappointment, which leads you to pain and offense and causes you to react from those feelings, or you can shift and set the eyes of your soul on what is more true and more eternal that's led by your spirit rather than your disappointment. So if you have, if you experience disappointment, it actually means that you had an expectation, which is normal and quite all right to have expectations. However, when your soul becomes downcast because of those expectations and what you're dwelling on is actually creating emotions and feelings that cause you to react and get results that are even more discouraging, you just need a simple shift. So here's my formula, a little exercise that you can do to walk yourself out of the focus on your disappointment. So number one, 
as you become aware of the disappointment, think of what you were expecting. Just become aware that you had an expectation. Think it out fully and then write it out clearly. There's actually probably going to be some things that you didn't, they're going to come up as you're writing it out that you weren't even aware of an expectation in that area. Second, write out what will actually occur or what actually did occur. And then think through all of the details, not just the ones that you're upset about and want to dwell on. Um, Be realistic and think about what good came from it if it already occurred or could come come from it, as well as, you know, just not just the realities of it, but what good could come from it. Third, write out how you could feel about the reality, the actual thing and circumstance, if you were to accept it as it was or will be. And let this be the beginning of the shift. So also think about, are any of these things that you say are reality? Are some of them um, undergirded by fear? Are they maybe a little exaggerated? Are you giving too much focus to them? And are they even possible? Think about it like, is this actually possible that's going to happen? Or is it really just in my imagination? And fourth, write out what it would look like if you had expectancy instead of expectation. How could you see God using this? And what could you hope to gain if God used this circumstance to grow you instead of to meet your expectation? What if God is interested in your holiness as opposed to your happiness? So here's my example. I am already struggling with some disappointment about my vacation, but I'm recognizing that I just need to change my mind and adjust my expectations. I wanted to have a really fun time because fun is very important to me. And I didn't want to have any crisis or chaos on vacation. I wanted poolside leisure and roaming my favorite city all day and lots of laughing and playing. I wanted all five kids to come because, you know, in June, we celebrate my husband's 50th birthday and one of my daughters will be 16 um, and another will be 19. And I thought this would be a great time to bring us all together. Instead, reality looks like this. My teens are probably going to argue. They're probably going to be grumpy and not be very happy with every decision we make for our vacation. There's literally already an issue about who gets what bedroom. Come on. (laughs) And one wants to do this thing, but the other two don't want to do that thing. So how do I do that? Like, am I supposed to split up? Am I supposed to drag people who don't want to go? That makes the situation miserable, right? Or do I not do anything because two out of three didn't want to? I mean, what are you supposed to do, right? (laughs) But we all, you know, we have to adjust plans at time. Not everybody is going to want to do what the rest wants to do. Um, Reality is that we can still have fun with, with less of the things I'd put my hope in. Um, We can still have a good time, even if we don't have what I consider fun. That's so important to me. I I really have a focus on having fun. And that just doesn't always come to pass. And I always end up disappointed. At some point in my life, I've got to stop expecting fun. (laughs) 
I can hope for it and I can have expectancy that God will bring some fun my way. But honestly, all of life is not fun and it's time to get over that really. <laughs> um, you know, we can be just thankful that we're going at all. I'll get a nice time away with my family and there will be some challenges, but God will show up and we'll overcome them. I'll enjoy some beach time. We will argue amongst ourselves on the West Coast instead of the East Coast. That's fun. I mean, because there's contrast, right? It's different than what we normally do. Um, We're going to play some pool volleyball and sit in a hot tub, which I'm super jealous to have. Uh, We're going to see amazing sunsets, drive up the Pacific um, Coast Highway, get stuck on the 5 in traffic with the beauty of just the strings of red lights stretches as far as the imagination can go. And I know most of you are going to be like, that kind of traffic is, drives me crazy. I hate that. But it's actually very, very pretty when you see the strings of red light brake lights in front of you stretching around mountains and L.A. Um, we won't be in L.A., but like I've been, we used to live that way. And it's actually really pretty if you just take a minute, <laughs> look at it. <laughs> um, you know, I just, I have to have expectancy that God will bring about divine appointments that I couldn't have planned. And that there's a good chance we'll be just in time to respond to some kind of crisis that's in front of us. So that's my example of me doing that, taking that formula and doing that simple exercise. If you truly want to shift from being disappointed to accepting so that you don't ruin your vacation or you don't ruin your ability the rest of your day after something happened this morning, or you don't ruin somebody else's day by reacting and going off on them because something disappointed you and you're reacting unhealthily to it, or your soul's just rising up and wanting, um, you know, you're dwelling on the disappointment and you want justice or vengeance or a redo, whatever. That's just going to keep you in the space of disappointment. And that disappointment, when you focus on it, it becomes a fence. An offense is a blockade to thankfulness. It's really hard to be offended and thankful at the same time because a house divided against itself cannot stand. And a thankful heart is so pleasing to the Lord. I believe that the Bible tells us to be thankful so many times because it's how God wants us to be focused. He's telling us what to dwell on throughout the day, and he's saying it throughout Scripture. What he says to dwell on will influence how we feel and what we do with it. This impacts the results we get and the legacy that those results create. And that cycles back into our belief system. He's telling us that when what we focus on has the possibility of bringing abundant life. You also have to ask, how would God use this situation you find yourself in? It's possible the outcome is the best one, but your soul wanted it to go the other way. Is there something you weren't seeing that you just need to adjust your eyesight about? Think of it that way when you're confronted. You know, this practice can teach you how to subtly shift earlier on when you discover that you have expectations not being met, unmet needs, deferred hopes. They make the heart sick, right? So there's one thing that is far better than any expectation being met. It is expectancy. It's the belief that God wants to bless you. He's thinking about you. His eye is on you. He is good to you. 
even if it occurs in ways that you can't imagine or understand or look for. It's expectancy in his desire to use all things in your life the way he sees fit, the way he sees is best for you. And when we put our hope in God, we live from expectancy rather than putting hope in our imagination and the things we can conjure up, rather than putting hope in the circumstances um, we go about our days being spirit-led when, when we live from expectancy. Expectations are what you get when your soul says, my way or the highway. But expectancy is what you get when you trust that God's way is the highway. What are you dealing with today that's disappointing? And can you put your finger on your expectations? Can you see where you've put hope in something or someone who simply cannot meet all of your expectations, needs, or requirements? What if you took some time today to walk through this simple exercise and helped bring your spirit to the front with expectancy and hope in God so that your soul can line up with his will and bring fulfillment to you? The circumstances are probably not going to change, friend, but you can make an inner change and that'll make all of the difference. So just to recap, Steps of this little exercise, the form, the disappointment formula, are to write out your expectation that you are becoming aware of fully and clearly, and then write out what was or will be reality as opposed to what you expected. Then write out how you would feel about the reality if you simply accepted it. And lastly, write out what hope in God would look like if you operated from expectancy instead of expectation. Now I encourage you to shift your trust into him. Put your hope in God and let his way be your higher way. Until next time. Are you ready to become a hero in your own story by investing in yourself through life coaching? Are you looking to become an amazing guide to others by becoming a coach or up-leveling your current practice? Then check out sterlingandstonementoring.com to see how we can work together. And don't forget it's really easy to say thanks if any of this free content has been a blessing to you just by leaving a quick written review over on Apple Podcasts. And thank you in advance.